is episode two of Audition Notes with Mark and Nick. Right then. Hello. Hi. It's episode two of Audition Notes with Nick and Mark. I'm Mark. And I'm Nick. And this is Audition Notes. What's the question today, Haley? Tell us, Haley. How can Journey help your audition piece? Listen, before we start, yes. I think we better come clean. This is the déjà vu episode two, isn't this it? This is Groundhog Day of episode two. We just uh, got into this topic brilliantly. We were flowing. Weren't In we? flow. Oh, we were. We were uh, nothing short of brilliant. Uh, for how long? Twelve minutes. And then what happened? <laughs> And then I realised I hadn't put the microphone on. Oh dear. So, so, so we're going to do this again and we're going to make it sound fresh as a daisy. Fresher than a daisy. <laughs> Even fresh. Fresher like, than a daisy. Like morning dew. Okay, so uh, now we've had a chance to talk about it. At least Nick and I know what we're going to say in advance and can share our wisdom with you with the microphone on. Today we're talking about journey. We said that we would talk about journey in a future podcast, and here we are, mm-hmm. one one episode forward, and we thought it was important enough to discuss journey. So that uh, kind of begs the question, uh, Nick, what do we mean by journey? What do we mean by journey? Journey suggests having a destination and a starting point. And what I would say is, is that it's a, it's a form of navigation. So when you're going from A to B, you rarely go in a straight line, unless you're a crow. So, <laughs> so basically, you, you, there's plot points along the way. You know, your actor sat-nav needs to take you in, in different routes to be able to get to where you want to go. And that's what we mean by journey. Absolutely. Journey is so important. It's, it's deeply related to story, if you like. Um, the character has to start somewhere, go somewhere, and end somewhere else. Somewhere else from where they were. I mean, sometimes they can come full circle, but they've mm-hmm. been on a journey along the way. The character's got to end up somewhere different, or feel or behave differently at the end than they did at the beginning. Otherwise, nothing's been explored and nothing's been resolved. Because if you start, if you finish the speech, exactly how you started it and you didn't change along the way, then what was the point? Right, okay, so journey deeply impacts the success of your monologue or scene. Um, And we've already started using the words beginning and end, of course, that helps us very much, that every story has a beginning, a middle and end, so journey, the most basic journey you can have in a scene is a beginning, a middle Mm. and an end. It's It's what we learn as kids, the structure of storytelling. Right. You know, every story has a beginning, middle, and end. So mm. if the least you did was to break down your monologue or scene into a beginning, middle, and end, you would have three different gears uh, to your work. Right, but it's not just about drawing a pencil around those boxes. It's about saying, if, I, if that is the beginning, what do I do with it? And then if that's the middle, how have I changed at this point? How do I show that? Right, so we're back to this very common topic which we're going to come up with time and time again, which is about visible choices and visible decisions. Um, It's too easy to make the decision mentally and not carry it out in action or in your acting, if you want to put a fine point on it. Um, So if you're making a decision about the beginning that's different from the middle, other people need to be able to see 
feel and hear it. And if they can't see, feel and hear it, then you might have made the, mis- the, the mistake of making the decision mentally and not physically. Yeah, it is about making decisions and making choices. One of the things we always say at the studio, one of our mantras is acting is ping pong, it's not chess. I.e. in a scene, you don't really know how to come back at the other person until they've fired their shot at you, okay? Acting is reacting. Now, the monologue is a different challenge because there's no one, no one's going to interrupt you, no one's going to be there for you to bounce off. So it's one of the only times where as an actor, you have to make decisions and you can be strategic and you can play a little bit of chess whilst giving yourself the freedom in between those journey points to be able to discover it organically. One of the big parts about doing a monologue, particularly for drama school or for an audition of any kind, is that you are essentially the director. You are the lead storyteller, so you need to make some decisions about how that story is told. Mm. The story is already there on the page, but you need to bring that story to life and the decisions, particularly the journey decisions, are going to make a huge deal of difference. I think we should talk about story structure, but first, should we talk about common mistakes? Because they, they, tend to, they tend to not be in a good story structure. Sure. I mean, the reason that you need journey are these common mistakes. Right. So, first of all, often... The, the weakest monologues are flat. So what do we mean by flat? What we mean is that the level of energy, the level of intensity, the level of pace, even sometimes the tone of voice gets stuck on one note. It's like if you're looking at a musical stave, all the notes are equal tempo and they're all pretty much on the same line. That's just boring. It will send the listener to sleep, whether that's an audition panel or an audience, you will literally send their brain to sleep. Their brain is constantly needing variation um, and you will just make them think about whether they left the gas on. So making the changes, avoiding these mistakes, avoiding same pace, same energy, same intensity is really important. And that, just before we come to story structure, and we'll probably come in and out with this, This difference between acting and performing, I think there are two different things going on. There are two different skills. One is the ability to seem believable within the circumstances of the scene. Now that will change if you're in a sci-fi with green screen, if you're in Shakespeare, if you're doing TV naturalism, that's all going to change. But what you do need to do is also be a performer. Also be aware of how to keep an audience awake, what to, how to fluctuate uh, physical, vocal, facial, and they're the only three ways you can actually communicate anything mm-hmm. to anyone, how to use those tools that you have uh, to express um, the acting. So a lot of people are really, really good at, at becoming believable within the circumstances of the scene, but then struggle to communicate that to the audience. And journey must be communicated. So we're back to visible choices. Yeah, uh, yeah. But people are often either very self-conscious, which stops them from from existing in that in that monologue, or you know, 
behaviorally, organically, whatever you want to call it, uh, or the opposite end of the scale, they are so in it, they're not aware of what they're not doing. Self-awareness is really, really important. Self-awareness is probably the most important thing you can learn because without it, you're deluding yourself about what you're actually doing. Sometimes recording yourself can be quite helpful for that so you can see, if you imagine again the musical stave, do you hear fluctuations in pace, intensity, energy, tone, physicality, um, facial expression, do, do you, are you seeing those changes? Um, nine times out of ten, unless you've directed yourself to make those changes, I doubt you will be making them. Mm. And you can't just say, oh, I need them, so I'll just throw them in willy-nilly. Or oh, I, ha- I, haven't, I haven't changed the tone of my voice or my pace for a couple of lines, so this is a good bit. You need, you need to know why. There needs to be a reason for it, okay? And that's where the story structure comes in. So let's briefly talk about that. I think we'll do a different, another podcast on story structure in more detail with a specific speech as an example. But briefly, Mark, let's just go over those key points in the story structure. Okay, so every story has this pretty much the same structure. And you could go into lots of different levels of, of detail with that. And there are lots of different approaches to this, but we find this one particularly useful. And I use it as a writer and I use it when I'm directing and I use it even when I'm planning a, a blog sometimes. So every story starts with the same thing, which is some kind of hook or inciting incident, something which kicks it off. And actually, I think what's really important is that sometimes what kicks it off is not in the monologue itself. So we have to go, you know, particularly with Shakespeare monologues, we have to go back to the script and look at the lines before that and see what the character before that said and see if they are inciting your character to speak so that you can see what you're replying to. What is it that caused you to say these words? Ah, right, he threatened you. Okay, right. now I Exactly, it's what I talk a lot about in both improv and when we're looking at scripts, I talk about base reality. So <clears throat> who am I, where am I, uh, what am I doing, where have I come from? What's just happened? Really important as well if you're working on soaps and you're shooting, you know, with different crews and in different times, you're at different points in the script. You you need to know what's just happened in the world of the of the play or of the world of the soap that you're just in because you'll be out of sequence. It's the same idea of of knowing what's come before because that's what propels you into the next piece. Absolutely. Good actors are informed and make informed choices based on their understanding. Um, You can be as intuitive as you like once you understand it. Intuitive without understanding, you're just making shit up. Guessing that. Guessing, making shit up. Yeah, so, so you've, got the, you've got the hook or the inciting or exciting incident, then what happens? Straight after that, we go into the phase which we call the first journey. Now, this usually means that the tension uh, or intensity drops a little bit for a period um, and then starts to build up again. And the, the first journey tends to explore whatever was incited. So if uh, someone has threatened you, in this story and this inciting incident is you preparing to to fight back, then this first journey will be about how you plan to fight back, why you plan to fight back, something related to what was in, incited. Mm-hmm. And that tends to lead up to the next big and dramatic and intense 
moment, which is usually the turning point. It can which also, is usually in the middle. It is usually right in the middle. In Shakespeare, it can be just off the middle, but it's usually in the middle, and it's a chunk of the text uh, in which the story takes a distinct turn. Um, and it, it might be that new information is, is provided or something occurs to them, but if we're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to fight back, and this is why I'm going to fight back, and then suddenly at the turning point, but what if I'm defeated? This sudden change in direction mm. which allows us to see that there is a journey. The exploration that has come before has led to a point where you need to think about it from a different perspective. Right. And most, most good speeches and good scenes have got that in the middle. Okay, straight after the turning point we've got the second journey. And guess what? We're going to explore what happens or what was thought in the turning point. So that's an opportunity to explore the thoughts or the actions that come caused by the turning point. Remember, everything is cause and effect in the story. Mm -hmm. That dips in tension again and then leads up to the climax. The most important, probably the most intense moment of your scene or monologue and in that moment, we get the highest point of drama. It's the will they, won't they? Yeah, the peak. The peak moment. It's the part that most people are afraid of hitting because they're afraid of overdoing it, so therefore they massively underplay it. We often try and, and, and help people by asking them to numerically score themselves on a scale of, of, of 1 to 10 in terms of intensity or energy, let's say. And... Uh, uh, it's, it's amazing how often people are unaware. They think they're at an eight or a nine, but often they're really at a six. Yeah, I think when you're experiencing inside, you're much more sensitive to it. It feels turned up to you because you're the one doing it. Right. Uh, but actually, you're often two or three or more off. When we try and get people to do things at a ten, you know, they kind of get stuck around six, so they have to be helped to reach up to a higher number. Because it's got to peak. It's got, it's to, got climax. to climax. It's the height of the problem or the issue that you've been exploring. It's when it's at its most critical. Right. Will or won't I actually confront that person who's, who's bullying me? Will or won't I reply back to the threat? This is the moment in which they make that decision. That's the climax. And it's always the climax of what was incited. Uh, if it wasn't, it would be a very strange structure. Mm. It would be disconnected from the rest of the story. But that's not the end. No, there is one more part in most monologues and scenes. Shakespeare, every now and again, stops the speech at the climax, and then the following character's lines can sometimes be the final part, which is called the resolution. We're not talking about tying things up perfectly, but a resolution is definitely um, the resolution of what was incited. So something has definitely been decided and we've moved past that. So yes, I'm definitely going to fight back. And then we've got the final moment. It's usually a drop in tension, not a huge drop in tension. Um, but it, straight after the climax, most, or most listeners know it's about to end. We, we have yeah. a sense of that. Yeah. And we, we need to be uh, going through the last moments of the journey. Right. You know, so if we're using that sat-nav analogy again, 
just because we're nearly there doesn't mean we give up thinking about where we're getting to. Right? We need to we need to round it off. Any movie you've ever seen always has something just a bit after the end that gives you that sense that right, it's been resolved. We can we can we can we can leave the cinema feeling like we're not ended up we've not ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah, usually if it's something like Fast and Furious, their their series of of films, there's normally a little scene right at the end where they're all sitting around and uh, drinking beer and eating pizza right, and being mates. And and yeah, I mean even Mission Impossible does that kind of thing too. You find it very frequently in films after action there needs to be a kind of yeah, moment of resolution. Because what's come before it should have been high impact. So look for these these parts in your in the, in your monologue because it will help you see that there's a clear structure for you to follow. It's like a blueprint that you can follow and that's that's really exciting because it's there for you. You can see it and your performance will follow the structure. And it's not obvious when you look at the page it isn't obvious at all because some writers will be consciously aware of it and build it deliberately and others will just do it subconsciously. When you look at black and white text on the page, it's not it's not marked for you. Right? right. So you've got to you've got to look for it and you've got to tease it out. And sometimes sometimes you have to create it for yourself in a way. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you do have to. I mean sometimes people come in and, and the pieces been kind of cut and paste together from a dialogue scene and the clients they're auditioning tomorrow yeah, and they yeah. don't have time to change it. By the way, we don't think you should do those cut and paste scenes, by the way, but some people do, and then you have to impose a story structure on it in order to make it make sense and take the audience on a journey. Now, we will spend a lot more time on story structure in another yeah. podcast in which we'll take, uh, probably take a Shakespeare monologue and, and, and go through it in detail. And just to prove it, probably a movie as well. Sort oh of. yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure we could do it for a number of movies, yeah, we'll yeah. find something popular. Uh, so, so far then, so we've looked at what journey means, we've talked about the character, ending somewhere different to where they began. We've talked about the basic story of beginning, middle and end. Then we've gone into more detail with the structure. We've looked at the common mistakes, flat, flatness, lack of change, lack of gear changes. Um, it's worth mentioning a couple of ways to help you uh, in general with your, with your speeches. Um, I, think, I think that it's useful to remember that uh, the you're talking to someone, okay? We we touched on this in episode one, didn't we? Yeah, the character doesn't know they're going to give a speech quite often. Yeah. So although we call it a speech or a monologue, I don't think the character knows they're about to do a lot of speaking uninterrupted. Otherwise, the first couple of lines would be, "Okay, folks, if you can just sit down and get comfortable right. for a minute, I'll I'll be about two and a half minutes." Uh, um, just don't interrupt me, will you? Yeah, listen to me. I've got some things to say in order and I'm going to be about two and a half minutes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so remember that every sentence is an attempt for them to achieve something and they don't know that the next that they need to say the next sentence. They're going to think that the first sentence is enough, but then there's a need to carry on and carry on and carry on until they've got to their resolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we'll talk about it on another podcast, but of, often punctuation can help you with that. I think, pun- I think punctuation is, is an absolute actor's 
tool. It's musical notes for actors. Mm -hmm. Someone who's well punctuated their piece is telling you where the thoughts are. Not just pausing, not just when to breathe, but where the thoughts are. And I think that's just a great opportunity yeah. in, in, in developing journey with even within the chunks of story. And you can even tell what what kind of thoughts they are. Right. Are they are they hesitant thoughts? Or that are broken up by lots of commas and, and lots of dot dot dots, or are they long sentences with no break from beginning to the full stop, which tend to suggest I really know what I want to say and I can really go on for quite some time about it because I'm absolutely determined to make my point. Right. Well, one of the things that I think comes up a lot um, is is just how monologue monologues are, and that you know the kind of mono journey to avoid that one small tip that i've been using a lot is to is to break it down even further and start asking questions so um so i'd ask a question of the character and use that and and reply to that question with the line so that you're thinking about you know mm-hmm. uh, um why why should you come here well i should come here because uh, giving yourself a reason to reply, which really encourages that kind of that kind of idea that you talk a lot about, Nick, which is new thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to shout out the word new thought a lot whenever I see a, uh, a full stop, uh, and it starts to make the, the pieces really much more come to life. You can't possibly waffle on with the same tone, energy, intensity, and pace if you're imagining this is a new thought and it has a new intention behind yeah, it. Yeah, there's a new reason for it. Right. Um, it also helps, another tip, is to practice at someone. Right? Definitely. So when I was rehearsing the other day for, for one of our shows that the Edinburgh Fringe at the moment, there are a few monologues in that. And during rehearsal, uh, there were one in particular was quite flat. So what I did was I asked another actor to sit in front of them and I said, right, now do it to them. It gets much more personal then. Remember that they're talking to a person or talking for a purpose. Yeah. Right? As yeah. soon as you put someone in front. I often say, look, now do it to me and make it personal. Um, another way to make sure that the journey's there is to not think you're in a race to get all the words out. Okay, you've got your two, two and a half minutes, three minutes, but you're not in a race to get all of those words out. When I'm telling a story, if I was telling you about what happened yesterday or what happened last week, I wouldn't ramble through it with one energy, one pace, one intensity. I would stop, think, imagine it. It would, it would nece- by necessity, have me change gears, especially speeds. Um, don't be afraid to stop. You're not in a race. The audition panel may have heard the speech before, may have, but they've not heard you do it before. You've probably practiced this speech a hundred times, right? But the listener is hearing it for the first time. And often the listener is probably about three or four seconds behind you in terms of absorbing the information that you're giving them in that story. Well, there's a good point that I want to make about the the end of your monologue, okay? Um, The listener is behind you, absorbing what you're saying and doing. So when you get to the final full stop, you may have stopped, but you should not stop acting until a good two, three, four, five, six seconds after that, um, because otherwise you're cutting them off as they're listening. It's like you're yanking them out of the world you've created 
and facing them with, oh, I've finished, I've finished, that's me, done. Um, and ruining the end experience of that monologue. So in the resolution or the end, don't be too keen to jump right out of it. You will jar the panel and, and that will damage the end of the monologue. One of the, one of the easiest ways to stop that happening is finish the monologue and stay still and say nothing and just focus as if you're thinking the last few thoughts in your head. Maintain the last thought of the monologue and in your head I would do this count one one hundred, two one hundred, three one hundred, four and then relax. Um, if you just go one, two, three, you'll pause for a second. Well, we've seen it. We've seen it without the auditions for people that come train with us here. If you're not a hundred percent committed or confident, you might just get to the end of the speech, race to the end, and then suddenly break out with a sort of semi-apologetic smile as to say, "Well, I've done that now. I'll go. I'm glad that's over." Yeah, and and we want look. There's this thing called primacy and latency. Primacy is the first thing you did that we remember. Latency is the last thing you did that we remember. So the first and last parts of your monologue are likely to be the most memorable ones. What we don't want to remember was how uncomfortably you finished and how you kind of, oh, finished. Um, that's not going to help um, the impression you're making on Because that's part of journey too. Right. Um, Which brings us full circle, I think. I think so too. I mean, I think we could talk about this for another 25 minutes, but we've reached the 25 minute mark. uh, And I think we've come to the resolution of today's Mm -hmm. podcast. Uh, Undoubtedly, we will uh, come up with a a great new question for the next podcast. But if you have uh, questions that you'd like us to answer, please send them to hello at actingcoachscotland.co.uk and put podcast question in the subject so we know what we're getting Uh, and then we will try and answer your questions to the best of our abilities yes that'd be great look forward to that yeah well thank you nick thank you mark you can find acting coach scotland on facebook follow us on twitter at hello underscore acs or see behind the scenes of the studio on instagram at we are acting coach scotland